Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? Yeah? Excited about 4th of July celebrations? Anyone? No? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Greg, I feel your pain. Nobody, nobody likes 4th of July or fireworks, apparently. We're, no. Um, so my name is Carrie, and I am really glad to see you all this morning. I figured I'd start this morning with a fun fact about myself, or maybe mildly amusing. I'll let you decide. Um, so a walk down memory lane, when I was about 10 years old, I lived in Agawam, Massachusetts, just a couple miles away from what is now Six Flags, what was then Riverside Park. And we lived on a street called Melrose Place. So you may not be surprised to know that at least once while I lived there, the sign was stolen, uh, you know, for the, the popular TV show. But um, so, yes, yeah, so while I was there, I remember there was one day where I walked outside my house and I looked and there was a line of cars just backed up as far as you could see. And this was about 97. And it turned out that this was a, a group of people going to see a band at Riverside Park and they were like willing to sit forever and hours in, this, in these cars and gridlock traffic. Um, and in fact, people were trying to get like out of their cars and come find a house like our neighborhood that would give them a place to use the bathroom. Um, so it was, it was bad, right? It was really backed up. And you have to ask yourself, who is sitting there for that long? What, what on earth are people going to see that they're willing to wait in line this long? So I'm going to throw a picture up on the screen for you. Hopefully. I could try to describe it. I could actually probably hold up what I have in my... Uh, hold on here. Oh, you got it? All right. So what band is this? Grateful Dead. That is what you would get in line and sit for hours and hours to go to see. And in fact, I found out in my research, because I thought it was actually the Grateful Dead band, but it was like a, a knockoff. Uh, I think it was Bob Weir and Rat Dog. Is that correct? Somebody probably knows. Um, but yeah, so that, they were playing at Riverside Park, and people were determined to get there. Um, and if, so if you know the band, what are the followers of Grateful Dead called? deadheads, right? There's a whole community. And I was doing some interesting research, and in the 70s and 80s, and maybe many of you know this already, but people would follow the Grateful Dead to all of their tours, all, like, all their concerts. They would just pack up everything, and they would travel who knows where. Um, in fact, a whole community then developed around this band and around this tour, and people were selling like veggie burritos and t-shirts and allowing the community to keep traveling. And, um, and it was fairly amazing, um, and so much so that even after the band technically disbanded, you still have an incredible following today. In fact, if they're not sold out, apparently you can see Dead and Company playing at the Xfinity on July 5th. This message is not in any way endorsed by <laughs> the band. 
But I thought, you know, it's interesting. We're talking this week about um, growing in Christ. We are in the middle of a series called Basic, really getting back to the basics of what we believe and why we believe and what that looks like in our practical everyday lives. And we're talking today about growing in Christ, which I think is closely related to following Christ or being a disciple of Christ. And I thought maybe there's something today we could learn a little bit from, from these followers, these deadheads even, and the community they developed, and the way that they followed their band. And maybe that teaches us a little bit something about what it looks like for us to follow Christ, to be all in, to go wherever he goes, to be identified as his. So last week, Tom did a great job talking about what it means to be a Christian, and he talked about the ABCs of that, admitting that we have a problem, that we need God believing in God, and then committing ourselves to following him. And he mentioned that, interestingly enough, the word Christian only shows up, um, does anyone remember how many times? Three. Someone's paying attention. Good job. Only three times in the Bible do we see the word Christian. Um, In fact, one of the times we see it is uh, in reference to the first time it was used, which I believe was in Antioch. And the word Christian basically means, okay, we have Christ, that's, that part's obvious. And then we have this little suffix, I-A-N. And that suffix, I think, has a powerful meaning for us. That little suffix means one from, belonging to, relating to, or like. So literally, a Christian is, is one from, belonging to, and relating to Christ. When we become a Christian, that means we recognize that we are from Christ, we belong to Christ, We are related to and identified by Christ. And our goal as Christians is to become more and more like Christ or more Christ-like. And so really growing in our faith is growing to become more and more like Christ and recognizing really that everything we have is in and through and from Christ. So Christ leads us to be a disciple of himself, a follower And so I really believe that you can't separate this idea of of discipleship from growing in Christ. And honestly, I would say that uh, we can even look to the Old Testament to give us kind of an idea of what it means to follow Christ. I mean, what is one of the first things you ask when you're like, okay, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow God, and maybe one of the first things you ask is, what does God want? Oh, how, how on earth do I know what God wants from me? And there's a verse in the Old Testament that I love that really is, I have it tattooed on my arm. It's my, basically a mantra for me, but Micah 6.8, which says, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so the first two parts of this verse you see are very, um, really relational. Acting justly, we do within relationship and community with others. Showing mercy, that's that's also something we do towards other people as we receive that from God. But I, I love the part at the end that just talks about walking humbly with God. So it's, it's, it's not only reminds us that, that all of our growth happens with Christ, right? We, we cannot become like Christ if we are not getting to know Christ. We cannot become like Christ without Christ. And this verse reminds us too that there's a way we do that. How do we walk with God? We walk with him humbly. That means we defer to him. We listen to him. We seek his will above our own. 
And it's also a reminder that um, I think sometimes we think of following Christ as, you know, God's up there and we're trying to chase after him and follow him and figure it out. But I really believe it's this, this picture of Jesus is holding our hand. He is walking with us like a father holds the hand of a little child. Um, he, he enjoys being with us and walking with us along the journey. And so truly, we come to know Christ, we come to grow in Christ as we walk humbly with him. And this leads us to kind of an interesting dynamic. I think maybe it sounds like an anomaly, but when we follow Christ, we are required to be both seated and sent. We are both seated and sent. And I'm going to explain a little bit of what I mean. Uh, We are sent. We know this because when Jesus went into heaven, he said to his disciples, his followers, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, right? Teach them to walk with me. Teach them to obey me. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And so we see here this this idea that God has sent us, that when we love him, when we follow him, he's sending us out to go and tell other people about him, to live in obedience to him. And that means deferring to Christ. Matthew 16, 24 and 25 reminds us of this. Anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but those who um, deny themselves and take up their cross to follow me, um, if they want to save their life, they'll lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So that means we, we carry our cross, we take it up, and we follow God. That means deferring to him, even when it's costly, even when it's a choice that we maybe wouldn't want for, um, automatically choose ourselves, but we say, okay, God, I trust you, I'm deferring to you. And it means doing his will. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 reminds us, um, it's not just those who, who call Jesus Lord verbally that are saved, but the ones who are doing the will of the Father in heaven. And so we can list out all these things that we can do for God, but at the, end of the, at the end of the day, obedience comes through knowing God. So again, there may be many practical things you could think of as ways that disciples should follow God and how we should grow in Christ. And I would encourage you to look through, even this week, read through the New Testament, read through the Gospels, and find ways that God calls us to follow him and obey him. But today I want to focus partly on the heart of just knowing God and what does that mean for us. Because even though God calls us to be sent, he also calls us to be seated. He also calls us to be rooted firmly in who he is and to know him. We cannot go unless we know him. It's not just about knowing the rules or, or all the, the checklist of what we're supposed to do. We cannot go out and tell others about Jesus until we truly know him in our hearts and have experienced him for ourselves. Um, there are two kinds of acting. If, you, if you've maybe heard of actors sharing their, their experience of uh, what it's like to prepare for a movie or for a play. Um, so there's character acting and there's method acting. And with character acting, you know, you're, you're memorizing lines, you're trying to get the routine down, you're kind of affecting a character and, in many ways, and it's often very believable. But I found this website um, from bestaccreditedcolleges.org that says, for a method actor, their preparation starts with a deep study of individual roles and ends with drawing on their own emotions and memories to bring the character to life. They will literally become the character living the part rather than relying on externalization and portrayal. 
And I thought that was such a cool way to look at even our relationship with God. It's one thing to say, okay, this is a list of what God wants me to do, and I'm going to memorize those lines, and I'm going to rehearse it, and I'm going to do what I think I'm supposed to do. And it is a whole other thing to sit with Jesus and say, God, who are you? What do you like? What makes you happy? How do I experience you in my own life? And then as we are with Jesus over and over again, we become more like him. We begin to live in obedience through knowing him, through association with him. And I believe there's a beautiful passage in the Bible where we see this, John 15, which shows us really what it means to be seated or rooted in Christ. Uh, Many of you may have heard this. This is about the vine and the branches. And Jesus says this in, in John 15, verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm gonna pause right there. That verse is hard for me. I wanna wanna feel like I can do things on my own and that I can control things. And Jesus says, no, when you start running off and you get ahead of me, you can do nothing. You have to remain in me. Verse six says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So again, God connects, he he says bearing fruit is evidence that we are disciples, that we're followers of God, that we're growing in God. And yet he continues to say, you cannot do that without me, without being in me. I love what verse nine says. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. So remain in my love. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he, that he would lay down his life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. Jesus doesn't call you a servant. But I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love one another. In fact, Jesus reminds us even even elsewhere in the Bible that we will be known as Christians by our love will be known by our love. And this, this passage, I believe, is a beautiful picture of what it means to be both sent and seated, right? God is saying, yes, do what I command. Listen to me, obey me, bear fruit through me. But, but do that through my love. You don't just go out and love to, because we force ourselves to love someone. We, we love because God first loved us. We love by watching the Father's love for us. Even today, sitting and worshiping, I just was reminded of Jesus smiling at us, Jesus, Jesus being joyful with us, and Jesus saying, I don't care where you are, what kind of week you've had, what kind of mistakes you've made this week, I love you. And until we can rest in that love, we will not be able to go out and love others the way Jesus has loved us. And we are known then by that love. 
Just as, you know, the deadheads might be known for, for tie-dyed t-shirts and grateful dead bears, we are known by living and being love. That should be the mark of what it means to be a Christian, a follower, one who is growing in Christ. Our love is tied into obeying God and remaining in his love. And yet disciples do not have to prove themselves. Listen, we're not getting graded. When we talk about growing in Christ, it's not like I can look around and be like, oh, you're C minus over here. And No, we are not graded. We do, we do not obey God to prove something to God. Salvation comes through Christ alone, right? We do not have to prove anything to God to receive his love, to receive his salvation. We have nothing to prove. Our obedience isn't the seal of our salvation. It's the overflow of our salvation and of knowing Christ. We're sealed with the spirit, covered in Christ's righteousness. We obey, again, because we love not to prove anything. And in fact, I would suggest that often we kind of put the cart before the horse. And sometimes when we talk about growing in Christ, we talk about obedience first. And we're like, here's the things that you need to do, that you need to obey in order to grow in Christ. And yet I think sometimes we miss the first step, which is that we have to trust the Father. We have to trust Jesus if we're going to obey what he says. Listen, when was the last time that someone that you barely knew tried to give you advice? Think about that. Think about your reaction to them. Maybe you were in the grocery store and that perfect stranger told you that your child really should have an extra layer of clothing on. You know, it's a little too cold to be out with just a t-shirt when you know good and well that your child has a coat in the car that they chose not to wear inside. Um, maybe, maybe it's that coworker who walks in while you're having a conversation with someone else and they hear your, you know, relationship story and they're like, oh, okay, let me, I'll give you two cents. Here's, here's what I think you need to do and here's where you should go and... Well, how do you normally respond to someone who knows nothing about you and tries to give you advice? Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I just, I've been waiting, waiting for someone just like you to come and... No, if you're like me, you're thinking, you don't know me. Who do you think you are, you know? Like, you can save your advice for somebody else. Except I'm a people pleaser, so I say that in my head, but... I don't say it out loud, but I'm thinking it. I'm like, okay, thank you very much, but no. All right. But do you know what? How often do we, do we kind of present morality to people and say, here's what God wants you to do. Here's what it means to be a Christian. And people, I wonder if they think, or if we even feel sometimes like, well, why would I obey God? Why would I follow him and do what he says to do if I don't actually trust him yet? If I don't actually believe, if I haven't encountered him long enough to know that he wants good for me, that he loves me no matter where I am or what I do, man, we have to, we have to get to a place where we are with Jesus long enough that we understand his heart that he feels like a friend that is walking alongside us. So he feels, when, so that when we read what Jesus wants us to do, what he asks us to do, we say, okay, okay, this is hard for me. I don't always want to, to follow you, but I believe that you have my, my back. I believe that you have my best at heart. I've walked with you enough to know that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are love, and so I'm gonna obey. I don't think that growth in Christ really happens and obedience can really happen until we grow in that trust with God. And that requires us to walk with him, to be with him, to embrace the journey. 
It's almost like maybe even what you would think of, of being mentored by someone. Like, I don't know what your dream job would be or what your, um, if you could imagine being mentored by anybody, you know, maybe it's, you're, maybe you're a musician and you're like, man, if I could tour with this band, if I could, if I could work with that actor, or maybe it's, you know, maybe you think of a, a business and you're like, if I could just work with this CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 company for just a week, man, I could learn so much. I could walk with them. I could see what they do, how they live their lives. And so I think of that when I think about the disciples and we look back at their life and the way they followed Jesus and I'm like, man, I wonder if they have any idea how amazing it was that they got to live and breathe and do life with the King of Kings, that they just got to follow him around and hear every word that he said. Not just, not just the big things, but the daily things, the meals, the laughing, the stories. Can you imagine? The disciples got to eat with Jesus. They got to learn by watching him. He taught them how to pray they practiced under him. They got to, to sort of test out their wings with him watching and mentoring. They were given authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal people, and Jesus was with them through that. And we can look and say, man, I wish I had that moment. I wish I could walk with Jesus like the disciples did. And yet this is exactly the opportunity that Jesus gives to each of us. This is exactly the opportunity that Jesus still gives to us today because Jesus said when he left, I leave you not alone, but with my spirit to lead you, to guide you, to be with you. And truly, Jesus still is with us in every part of our lives, whether we're at work with our children, in the karaoke bar, wherever we are, Jesus is there and he's present and he wants to do life with us and he wants to speak into the details of our lives he invites us to come, remain in me, rest in me. Take my yoke upon you because I am gentle. I have your best in mind. So what does it look like to know God? How do we grow in knowing him? I think maybe if you're like me, I'm a, I've admitted this before, I'm a chronic overthinker. I think we can often overthink what it means to know God. Sometimes it, it may start out as simple as just recognizing God in nature. You know, think about the times maybe in, in your life where you have felt this sort of this sense of awe, this sense of power, this sense of divinity, and you're like, I can't really explain it. Those moments, I believe, are God, God moments. And sometimes it's when you're out in the beauty of nature and you see the sunrise or you see like the moon over the water. And for me, I know there's been times in my life where I'm just reminded of God's goodness and his vastness and the fact that he loves and cares for someone like me when I feel so small. Other times I have, I have met God, um, again, through, through reading his word. I think it's a beautiful place for us to start. And if you don't know where to start, you can look at the life of Jesus in the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are a great place to start. FYI, Mark is the shortest. So if you're looking for like, okay, I don't have a lot of time. I'm a little ADD. Start with Mark. Um, Luke has the great Christmas story, so you get to hear like the full arc of Jesus' birth. Um, but, but read about Jesus. But don't just, don't just stop there. Begin to expect Jesus will show up in your day-to-day -day life. I know we say this over and over, but I don't think we can say this enough. Jesus wants to meet you in every detail of your lives. In fact, I think sometimes for me, I, I find that I meet Jesus in... 
um, in those moments where I feel like I'm just out of control and I don't really have the answers and I feel like I'm stressed or overwhelmed or anxious. And often that can be a place where we just say, okay, God, I've read this about you. I've read that you're the God of peace. I've read that you're the God who provides. And I'm in this situation. I need you to show up as that for me. And watch what God does. It's, it's a beautiful way to get to know him. Um, I, I, I joke with a friend of mine, I think, I'm, I think as an adult, I'm awkward at, at making new friendships and it kind of takes me a little time. And so I joked with a friend this week, I was like, I think this is like our third or fourth date basically. And let me know, how, how's it going? Are we doing okay? Like define the relationship. Um, but maybe we do that with God a little bit, right? Maybe the first time that, we, that you truly believe that God wants to know you, it sounds crazy. And then you try to spend time with him and maybe the first time you sit, you're like, Okay, that was an awkward five minutes. I don't, I don't know how that went. But you keep doing it. You keep encountering God. Keep inviting him to, to meet you in those places because I believe that God will show up. And I believe honestly that there's probably times in your life that you didn't even realize God was showing up. And maybe God begins to show you now. Yeah, that was me. I've been walking with you. I've been calling you because I'm never far from you. And we begin to recognize that in our lives um, even this, this week, I had a moment where I was, um, man, I, I do not like, again, I, I've said this many times, I do not like to feel out of control. And I had a moment this week where I had to do something stressful. And I, I just got in the car and I started driving because I'm like, okay, I have to drive. I have to get there at least. But the whole way I'm driving, I'm like, God, I have no plan. I, this is, I, have, I don't even know what I'm going to do. And there's a, a verse in the, um, in the Old Testament where the, uh, Abraham is supposed to go and God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And so um, he's basically testing to see if Abraham will, will follow and believe. And when Abraham gets there, instead of sacrificing his son Isaac, God provides this ram and allows Abraham to sacrifice that ram. And, and he shows he teaches Abraham something about himself and his faithfulness. And so it may sound like a crazy prayer, but I'm driving in the car and I'm like, God, I need a ram. God, like, you gotta give me something here. And I'm telling you, I, I showed up and, and God showed up. And it was in a moment where I couldn't have orchestrated it. I couldn't have controlled it. And afterwards I was just like, thank you, God. That was you. And then we begin to build on that. And that little moment sounds so crazy. It sounds like, okay, that's a silly detail of your life. But no, those are the moments where God is teaching us to trust in him so that the next time you encounter him and next time you have a, a struggle, a difficulty, a concern, you're like, no, but I remember that last time that God was with me. I saw what he did. I saw how he worked. And I know he can do it again. I know he can hold me still. And I'm going to be honest, following God and growing in God is not going to be linear. It's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be mess free. Just because we begin to grow in God doesn't mean we're suddenly going to stop making mistakes. Even though the disciples had an amazing mentor, they still screwed up a whole lot. And I know this because uh, the Bible says that they argued about which one of them was the greatest. They suggested terrible plans sometimes. Like the, uh, one of them at one point was like, hey, these people are disobeying you. Why don't we just call down fire from heaven and we'll take care of them? And Jesus is like, nope. Nick's on the fire. Um, not a great plan. Sometimes they made mistakes, right? Sometimes they said the wrong things. And even as Tom talked about a few weeks ago, sometimes they doubted or even deserted God. And yet, 
God led them, and yet God never abandoned them. He said, I'm going to continue to work with you, even on your mistakes, even where you fumble as you seek to grow in me. Do not let your mistakes be something that keeps you from Jesus. Do not let your, the things that you feel like you're not perfect in, do not let that be a barrier between you and God, because God wants to work with you. He wants to continue to grow you through those things and mature you as you're with him. Not, not apart from him. We don't have to isolate or hide from God. And I want to say the other thing that I believe that God does for us as we seek to follow him and grow in him is he gives us community. One of the best ways to grow in Christ is not only with him and through interacting with him, but growing in community with others. And we see this especially in, in the disciples after Jesus went to heaven and left them the spirit. Spirit, We see that the disciples waited together. They, they prayed together. They, they broke bread together. And they had this community together. And that was one way that they continued to encourage and challenge and inspire one another Community gives us an opportunity um, to have a safe space where we can process our struggles, where we can process our questions. And I would say, um, I know life groups do not start till the fall, but if you have not joined a life group, that has been one of the best ways for me um, as, a, as a follower of God to grow in my faith because people are, are just a safe space to hold where we are and to listen to us and help us to pray. Um, and even honestly, you may you may be someone who says, man, I, I love life groups. I think I might even want to lead a life group. And I will tell you right now, you do not have to be perfect to lead a life group. You just have to be someone who's ready to listen, who's, who's ready to create an open space for others to grow. And if that's you, I, I would encourage you to continue praying about that because I know we need more life group leaders. Um, maybe even for you today, you start with um, Bill and Linda Reed are doing a discussion group after service each, each week during the summer as we're doing this series. Maybe you start there today and say, man, I have questions. I got a whole lot of things to say and I want to, you know, I have this, this thought came to mind or I, I question about what Jesus said, what he meant when he said this and meet with people, meet with the Reeds, meet with other people and talk to them and together we grow in Christ. And I love that as we grow together in Christ, it's not, it's not about um, conformity. It doesn't mean that we're always going to look just the same or even have just the same answers for everything. Really, it's, we're reminded that we're, we're not following a person ever. We're all following Christ. We are not united um, in, in believing exactly the same things. I think there's sometimes we're afraid of the questions or the diversity or the, even the disagreements. And I think it's okay for us to have disagreements sometimes because the ultimate point is that we're all, we're all following God. We're all seeking to love him. We're all seeking to be challenged by others and to grow together. And I think sometimes that diversity and dialogue and even disagreement can give us those opportunities to be sharpened. So as we close, I just want to remind you of a couple things that we've talked about today. First of all, just rem remembering that a disciple is someone who is from Christ, belongs to Christ, is related to Christ, and becomes more and more like Christ. Discipleship is this ongoing journey with God to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with him. Discipleship means that we are both seated, rooted in Christ, remaining in him, and we're also sent. And discipleship involves growth in a community. I want to just, um, as we close here, 
one of the things I love about the prayer group, I don't know if you've been to the Monday night prayer group, but one thing that I love about that group is that I get to listen to other people and how they hear from God. And I'm gonna be honest, man, people hear from God in different ways. And it is beautiful for me to witness the way that God speaks differently and uniquely to each of us. And I wanna just for a one moment, if people are comfortable with this, um, to give an opportunity for you to, to just shout out um, or if you're online to maybe type it in the chat, um, shout out something you know about God through your experience with him. It might be a name of God. It might be just, um, man, I, I, I know him as a sustainer for me. And I just wanna give you an opportunity for a second to just shout out something about God that you know through experience. So the rest of us begin to see what it looks like to be with God. Faithful. Redemption. Redemption. Guide. Merciful, unchangeable, present, patient, and love. What was that? Yes, healer. Peace. Someone that hear other people share their stories, we realize that, that this is not some, some made-up feeling. This is not just something we talk about. These are people that are experiencing God in their lives because they've walked with him, because they know him. You know him as healer, as love, as redeemer, as merciful, because you've felt that, because you've had those moments with him. And I just want to leave you with this moment as we, as we sit and pray just for a second here. Following God may feel scary. It may feel overwhelming. It may feel like a lot to give up. And yet I believe truly with all my heart from my own walk with God that there is nothing better that you could say yes to. And that when you say yes to Jesus, it is this ongoing opportunity for you um, to have someone with you in all your triumphs and all your difficulties and all your sorrows, the pain and everything he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And even though it's he, God says, give up everything and follow me, there's so much more that we get from Christ than we could ever imagine. And my prayer for each and every one of you this week is that God opens your eyes, gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better, to see where he's already working in your life and that you can begin to trust him because he has your best in mind and he loves you so much. God, um, I just want to thank you today. Thank you for your love and faithfulness and goodness. God, I thank you um, that even when I have a hard time trusting you, God, that over and over and over again, you have shown me that you're trustworthy. You have shown me that you're faithful. You've shown me that you're good. I just ask that your love would be so evident and tangible today for each person here, that they would meet you in practical and even in little and silly ways that you would show up in our lives, that you teach us to love you and walk with you humbly, and that as we do, God, that we grow more and more like you. We love you. Amen.